Welcome to Audio Club, a new music technology podcast from Yorkshire Sound Women Network. I'm Cara C, and each month I'm going to be talking to some amazing women and gender minority audio professionals who will be telling us about their work and also sharing some creative inspiration, career advice, gear tips and much more. In this episode, we're finding out what it's like to get hands-on with your music tech as we delve into the world of making. We're talking about how to get started and why you don't need to be an electronics whiz to have a go, how to find the kit you need and why makerspace communities will become your new best friends. My guests are Anne Fomukong Bowden and Kat Scott. Anne is an electronic engineer based in Chesterfield and the co-founder of Keiku a social enterprise which uses technology to design accessible instruments. And Kat is a Bradford-based artist working with sound and multimedia who uses making skills to create installations and kinetic sculptures. So now we're all charged up, it's time to get connected with Audio Club. First of all, I wonder if you can tell us a bit about yourselves and when and how you started making things. So, Anne, do you want to start for us? Hi, everyone. Um, I'm an electronic engineer and my first taste of um, making electronics was actually when I was a teenager and I was teaching myself how to play the electric guitar. And I got it into my head that I wanted to have a way that I could put my tape cassette player into something, put my electric guitar into something and listen to the combined sound output um, through my headphones. So the first thing that I ever made was a very, very basic audio mixer. Cool, cool. And how about you, Kat? Your background's more in art and textiles. So when and how did you get into working with sound? I think... Mainly when I when I was studying on the textiles in practice degree at Manchester School of Art, um, that's when I really started getting into making. I think that's when I first started to really experiment with sound because I had the um, the facilities to actually hire sound recorders out and things like that. So yeah, I think that's where a lot of the making first started. Really cool. So Anne, you're an electronic engineer. So what does that involve and what else are you up to in terms of your STEM work? So as an electronic engineer, I suppose I get to design the innards of what makes most technology work. So mobile phones, uh, computers, televisions. On the audio side, I've designed um, mixing desks for live audio, synthesizers, and something that I'm currently working on is a a wireless instrument that will allow for remote but collaborative music making. And that's something that we're working on um, with a local uh, children's hospice. And in terms of STEM, so I've been a STEM ambassador for I think the best part of 10 years now. And so that sees me going into the community and advocating about science, technology, engineering and maths. I always love to do more creative arts-based activities, so mainly around music and sound. So something that I've been working uh, with a group of local adults, um, we've been making some touch-free audio displays 
for uh, Barrow Hill Museum, which is a, a local uh, rail museum, so that when they reopen back to the public, they've got some kind of COVID-free audio displays, which they can use as part of their exhibitions. Wow, that sounds fascinating, amazing stuff. Um, and then Kat, what have you got going on at the moment? So yeah, this year I've been mentored on the Launchpad mentoring programme with Music Leads. Um, so my work is like, mainly like kinetic sculptures and installations that are like multi-sensory as well so and sound is just like one element of that but through this mentoring program I've been focusing in on the sound strand of my work to really develop that that side of it um so that's been really useful because I've had like several different mentors who have been helping me with like fundraising advice and like more of the artistic side of things and yeah, what I'm really wanting to create is like a, a new a new immersive bubble soundscape um, for one of my sculptures that I created a few years ago. I'm really trying to develop that side of things because I usually collaborate with like sound artists and musicians and things like that, which is what I've done in the past. Whereas now like I'm really wanting to do a lot of that like myself as well and to look kind of technically upskill. Great. So when we talk about making, um, what kind of examples could you pull out for us if people are new to that kind of world? What do we mean by making, especially when related to audio? And what kind of examples could you throw at us? Oh, well, for me, when you talk about making, um, obviously it means something that you can, that is tangible, that you can touch, um, manipulate, get instant feedback from. So for me, I would think about making like a, a, a mini noisemaker, a mini synthesizer, something that you can essentially press a button and it, it makes a sound. So you've got some kind of instant gratification. Yeah, and that can be using a variety of things. You know, as we sort, we've got Raspberry Pi, we've got Arduino, these sort of mini computers kind of thing, as well as sort of circuitry and soldering and anything you want to add to that, Kat, in terms of all the different things that one can make. Yeah, I think in terms of something that's low cost as well, contact microphones is a good place to start. I've watched a lot of YouTube videos about this. I've not actually tried it yet because I've got some contact mics, but I think from what I've seen on YouTube, that that would be a really good place to start because then you can start putting these microphones on basically anything that it touches and it will pick up the vibrations. So yeah, I'd kind of recommend starting there really. Yeah, they're really fun if you put them on your throat as well. Also, it made me think of the theremin, you know, the um, I know you can get little theremin kits, can't you? So, you know, the sort of invisible <laughs> electromagnetic waves machine that um, that is, yeah, it makes a wonderful sound. And that was one of the first electronic instruments, wasn't it? So there's things like that as well, where you can get kits and then, as you say, start to start to understand how things are put together, really. Yeah, I think the theremins are a really great thing to start with, because like you say, it's, it's something that's actually quite simple to make and you get to play with this weird and wonderful instrument and it's it's something that most people wouldn't even think of as being a musical instrument but like you say it's one of the first ones invented yeah and like anyone of any age just finds it fun as well from what I've seen anyway <laughs> it's just really interactive and fun yeah and I think nowadays you can really research what's accessible for you so if you don't have the nimble fingers there's other things you can try that still means you can be yeah making your own making your own systems really yeah do you both think that you need to have quite a lot of um, grasp and understanding of both engineering and maths to do what you do? Oh, that's a difficult question. Uh, well, 
it's an interesting one because I came through more of a traditional route to get to engineering. So I did my A-levels, went to university and did um, electrical and electronic engineering. And that was, I've got to say, heavily maths based. However, I would say that as for a starting point, there's so many different like kits and development kits that you can now buy that you don't necessarily need the maths background to actually get something working. It's more about um, playing and experimenting, which I think is a great way to start anyway. So yes, you can actually get into engineering or electronics without knowing too much about the engineering and the maths behind it. Yeah, yeah. And I think especially now it's just getting more accessible, isn't it? Yeah, I think I agree as well. Like, yeah, I think especially with like the internet and social media, there's so many communities and people that are sharing yeah, the answers to any questions that you might have. I think the digital world has like really opened up those like maker communities, like almost like digital maker spaces at the moment to really get into it and find out what it's all about. So yeah, I, d- I don't think you need any training in it, in my opinion. Just a sense of like, sense of curiosity, really. Yeah, yeah. And I think some patience and perseverance would probably help. <laughs> <laughs> And I think it's about being allowed to fail, isn't it? We have to remember that, you know, nothing, nothing is created, nothing is put out in the world without some some kind of tripping over, finding blocks, overcoming barriers, things going wrong. And that's it. And to be honest, with electronics, you'll find that that will happen quite a lot. And it's one of the things that once you even trying to um, to light a simple LED, sometimes that doesn't always work. And you have to just be patient and kind of be kind to yourself and allow yourself to actually make the mistakes and know that once you've you've overcome that mistake, you've learned something and you move on to the next thing. So you never be put off by things not working um, as as you expect the first time around. Yeah, I agree. And also, like, I think you learn the most when you make mistakes. So it's like trying to get yourself into that frame of mind where you're not like judging yourself from the start, because if you do, like you can't be creative so yeah it starts with like self-care I think yeah definitely and I think really uh, as much as you can you know find out about those stories and the struggles that anyone you admire would have been through (laughs) to get where they are or you know or even the technology we use Um, but also I often say with music tech most of the skills are troubleshooting you know and most of it is working out why things aren't working and then as you say through that process you learn so much more don't you yeah definitely and I think there's something about, yeah, daring to ask people. I think there are some wonderful, especially maker mm. kind of communities that, you know, that people are happy to share their knowledge and to, to help you. So it is possible to do that nowadays without too much patronising or anything, would you say? I agree with that. Yeah, people are so, so generous with their time and their knowledge um, nowadays. And I think just the, the fact you're asking the question and you're being inquisitive about something people generally do react positively to you taking an interest in what they actually do and how they can help you. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder if um, we can give any signposts to where's good places to find kind of basic kits or tools to get started with making stuff. Yeah, uh, for me, like, I think what would have helped for me personally, if I would have had one of these a lot earlier, was um, a thing called an Arduino starter kit. Um, so an Arduino is like a microcontroller which you can program using code to kind of like turn a light on and off or to, to turn a motor on and off or whatever. 
I think that's a really good place to start because I think you can get kits for maybe 30 or 40 quid or even cheaper than that actually um, on places like AliExpress um, online and probably on Amazon as well actually so yeah I think for anyone starting out that isn't sure about what they want to do yet or anything but just want to have a little tinker then I'd suggest an Arduino starter kit it's got everything that you need in there to just have a have a go and experiment. I think in addition to Arduino as well you've also got the, um, the BBC Microbit that's a really nice um, little piece of hardware kit they've now added a microphone and a loudspeaker to that as well so you can make some interesting interesting sounds with that there's some good websites I mean you mentioned Amazon there that's a great place just to to pick up um, inexpensive bits of kit but you've got websites like Adafruit and Pimeroni and Cool Components and as well as selling electronic kit on there they also have some really nice tutorials which actually guide you through how the various bits of kit are actually put together, um, the, the background tech, and also how to get started with it, and then future projects if you want to get a bit more adventurous. That's fantastic. I was going to ask you next whether you knew of any tutorials you'd recommend. I find, um, going back to what Anne was saying, um, if you go on the Adafruit's YouTube channel, again, like they're always doing like YouTube lives and all sorts of like really cool stuff on there so yeah it's definitely worth subscribing to that channel also like if you get if you want to get really into the coding side of things there's github as well which i'm sure many people have heard of yeah and there's just some amazing engineers and makers on there like sharing code and all sorts of things on there and inventing amazing just loads of really cool things so yeah have a look on github and just create an account on there as well because you can kind of it seems a bit hard to understand at first like I'm still a bit like oh I don't really quite understand some of it but people yeah basically it's like an open source platform where everyone's sharing the code and everyone's sharing everything and it's a great place to find like inspiration as well yeah yeah see what's possible Mm -hmm. how much of this do you think you can do alone and how at what point do you feel like you do need to interact with other people in order to make your ideas happen I think a lot of it to start off with can be done at home. Like Kat was saying, with regards to the online tutorials, there's a lot of information out there that can help you just make very, very simple things really quickly. Um, And actually some quite complex things um, quite quickly as well. I think when you need to actually start collaborating with other people is when your projects become quite, quite large scale and sometimes you need an extra, either extra ideas, an extra pair of eyes to look over something um, for you. And that's when it's, it's nice to be actually in a room with other people uh, collaborating on a larger project. Yeah. And I think that's where like makerspaces as well, like come into play. Like I know a lot of them will probably still be closed at the moment, but when they reopen, it's worth just Googling what makerspaces or hackspaces are in your local area as well because that's where everyone like congregates that makes stuff and you won't feel out of place if you go there with like a crazy idea like <laughs> like I did once um so yeah that's a really good place to start I suppose at the moment as well like there's a lot of uh, online events as well so there's one called uh, Maker Mondays with uh, Steam House in Birmingham I think they're about every fortnight on a Monday um so they're worth going to they're only an hour an hour long 
and obviously with it being online at the moment like it's really accessible and are they free to attend yeah they're free yeah wow I think um that's mm -hmm. from working on the Drake Music um lab uh, this sort of research and development lab here in Manchester helping to set that up I think yeah I couldn't help but be yeah humbled by the generosity of, of the <laughs> what I would call the kind of maker culture do you think there's a kind of culture or, or a sort of set of values or ethics that goes along with being an inventor really most engineers or people that work within um the kind of technology industries most of us just want to share information want to share our knowledge so um i love hack spaces and maker spaces because it's it's just a it's a very welcoming environment and it's somewhere that you know that when you turn up there are going to be other people that want to collaborate want to share ideas um want to know what knowledge you have and i suppose it's the knowledge exchanges they're great places to go and exchange yeah exchange yeah. knowledge yeah and i find as well yeah just the same kind of thing it's like a kind of community spirit you'll go there with i suppose a problem that you're not sure how to get past and then loads of people are like oh like you could try this and they'll literally start like helping you it's just worth even going to the open evenings that some of the hack spaces and the maker spaces have just to see who's there. Um, and there are more and more women I've noticed that are going there as well. So I think that does give you more more hope as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more confidence um, as well, I should mm, imagine. Yeah. yeah. And which ones have you two gone to then? So I think um, Anne, you're in Sheffield and um, Kat, you're more all around Huddersfield, are you? Um, I'm in Bradford, but... Yeah, for me, I went to Leeds Hackspace. Um, yeah, Leeds Hackspace is great. And um, I just wanted to say as well, I am actually um, working with Theatre in the Mill and E Street Arts, uh, who are based in Bradford and Leeds, and we're trying to set up Bradford's first makerspace and digital arts resource in the city centre. Fantastic. Because we haven't got one at the moment. I think we used to have one, but uh, not since I've been in Bradford. So, yeah, so there's good things happening here. Cool. And Anne, what, which ones would you recommend or have you been to? I've been to Sheffield Hackspace, which is just an amazing location. And also we're, we're trying to um, start a tech club at Barrow Hill, which is on the outskirts of Chesterfield. So it's an old, well, it's a, it's a railway museum and has the, the last working roundhouse turntable in the country. So we're looking to actually start um, a Hackspace there. Ace, ace. I would like to find a little bit more about just one of your projects you've both mentioned. So Kat, tell us a little bit about your bubble machine and how it's developed. Um, so it's called Inner Horizons. Yeah, it's like a kinetic bubble machine, which you can step inside of. And it's got this like dome shaped tank on the top with like oil in it. And there's these like bubble machines that are pumping like air bubbles into the oil. So there's all sorts of like electronics underneath that are all kind of hidden. And yeah, I made that in South Korea um, in two two years ago, and I managed to get that shipped back to my studio in Bradford. So since then, I've been kind of working out what I want to develop um, for that piece. So I've been wanting to make this uh, bubble soundscape. So I've been working on that, collecting loads of like sound recordings, using hydrophones inside of um, the tank full of uh, glycerin oil and these like bubble machines that create different um, rhythms and sequences of bubble formations. I also um, was developing like a new lighting system for it as well using these LED lights called NeoPixels. 
And you can get those in like red, green, blue and white. It'll be called RGBW NeoPixel if you like Googled it. You can basically program those lights to like go in any hue or saturation or colour of the rainbow in any sequence. So they're pretty cool. And that's kind of where I'm at with that at the moment. But I am planning to show that work, hopefully. I can't really say where yet, but I've got some potential commissions with that, which hopefully might happen later this year. And then I'm wanting to tour that work as well. Fantastic. And how is it activated by, is it an audience reactive experience? At the moment, the bubble sequences, because it's like the 16 bubble machines that I've made using electronics. Um, And yeah, they're kind of automated using the Arduino microcontroller. And so it's like a multi-channel bubble system. That's like the best way (laughs) to describe it. Um, so yeah it's it's not it is interactive but it's not like triggered by I suppose like when someone puts their head into the tank Mm -hmm. it doesn't know that they're there in a way but that's these are kind of like things that I want to maybe play around with in terms of the interactivity maybe with max msp or something like that at some point once Mm -hmm. I get get into that so yeah so kind of excited and ever evolving sounds like it's an ever evolving kind of um yeah, rabbit hole really sounds awesome yeah, yeah. <laughs> a bit obsessed with bubbles but... yeah why not we need more bubbles in the world it's awesome Listening to the sounds of air bubbles in glycerin that Kat recorded using hydrophones for her immersive bubble soundscape in a horizons. Can you tell us a bit more about the project you mentioned, which was for children and it was a collaborative music making tool that was wireless, I believe? That's correct. Yeah. So it was, it was something that um, the idea actually came out of a conversation with a music therapist at the local children's hospice. And they were looking for a new musical instrument that would appeal to anybody so young teenage years, adults, where they could actually make music based on movement. The hospice, obviously, they have children that visit there. Some are disabled, uh, some express themselves more through movement than vocally. So they wanted something that would be accessible to everybody based on movement and based on remote collaboration as well. So the idea would be you could have a family, say, in the the music therapy room and they all have this musical instrument. They're all making sounds based on gestural um, movement 
and someone might leave that room and might go to, say, the cafeteria area, but still want to somehow collaborate as part of that music making session. So it's remote within the same location as opposed to being remote across geographically different areas, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so how does it actually work then? Because make, it's making me think of the Mimu gloves. I suppose it's a, it's a very similar thing, yes. So it is actually like based on the capture of gestures, of people's gestures. Um, and it is an IoT product, so it is, it's using um, Bluetooth 5 for that uh, communication protocol fantastic and where do they sort of see or hear how do they hear the music being developed as in other people's the conversation if you like each of the instruments actually has its own um, speaker so wherever you are you can actually hear the collaborative sound uh, that's been generated through your your local instrument wow awesome awesome that sounds amazing um i wonder you know sort of if people are buying kit and you've spent some money and you you know you are working with electronics um people might worry about breaking stuff or injuring themselves could you give any advice on how to avoid any dangerous or costly mistakes cat maybe it just makes me think of soldering um because that's something i was really scared of doing until last year actually only last year (laughs) um so yeah i think just do your research try and speak to people that are open and experienced um, soldering, if that is one thing that you're wanting to do, which tends to happen a lot with electronics. Um, soldering is one of the things that you kind of need, need to be able to do eventually at least. Um, so, yeah, just make sure you do your research. And when you're soldering, you're not supposed to inhale the smoke um, that correct. comes off of the tin. You can get like fans or you can put a fan there to like and have the window open to blow it out or you can s- someone just said to me if you just like breathe out when you do that um you could do that as well um but it's probably best to have some kind of ventilation and fan or at least like be near a window or something anything you want to add to that Anne? Uh, I used to whistle while soldering. <laughs> so if I didn't have an extractor fan nearby I used to whistle oh, while right. soldering to actually um, <laughs> blow the fumes away but I was thinking that actually you can there are a lot of kits now that you can buy that don't require soldering you can use a breadboard and uh, jumper wires to actually um, make the elect- electrical uh, connections so that's something else to consider if you're just starting out and and don't feel confident enough to to start looking at, at soldering things mm. yeah that, that is a good point because I like for me I I didn't actually do any soldering t- until last year so I'd been using, I can't remember what they're called, but there's all sorts of bits that you can get so that you don't need to solder. Do you know what they're called, Anne, or did you just say that? Yeah, there's something called a breadboard. It looks like it's got pinholes in it, but all those pinholes have um, oh, yeah, yeah. have wire inside. So, yeah, you can, you can then get some jumper wires and you poke them into mm. little holes to then um, make your your connections. So that's a good way to start without having to, to solder. Yeah, cool, cool. Mm. Yeah. And do you have any other advice that you've learned along the way that you'd like to pass on? I think for me, when looking at a design, it's to break it down into small chunks. So don't try and complete one massive electronic design in one go. Break it down into, into small parts and work on getting each part correct and working and then you can always put them together afterwards and you should have a full system that works Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think I agree as well, because when I was making this bubble machine, I was wanting to use like these things called solenoid valves. They basically move like liquid through a valve and you can control the flow of like liquids. To be honest, like at that time, I didn't have any of like the the knowledge that I've got now um, to be able to make this thing that was like far too complex. It was just too ambitious. So yeah, in the end, I just used the most simple code that you can for an Arduino anyway. And it just turns something electrical on and off. And that's all I did. And I um, created like a sim- really simple sequence then, just turning these aquarium air pumps on and off, which were pumping air through the bubble machines. And yeah, and it worked. And I just thought sometimes it's just it's just easier if you keep it simple and like start small. And it's, yeah, it's also better for your confidence, I think, because then you can start building up on that once as you go along rather than scaring yourself off by being too ambitious yeah I think starting small is really is really useful advice and I guess in terms of also when you're reaching out for help it's that thing of yes you want support from people but you don't want them to do it for you so it's trying to find that you know it's understanding the process and maybe working out what that process is but also accepting that what you want so your original you know bubble machine like grand vision is might you know might take years as and there's iterations along the way kind of thing because I'm sure that happens a lot with with your work as well Anne. Yes most definitely I mean you never get to that that end solution the first time it is always an iterative process where you start with something quite simple and then you you keep adding to it and with each stage of um, of adding you 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 kind of you improve on a solution and you just move that um your project just that further bit forward Mhm. Mhm. And I wonder if there were no limits—money, time, space, anything—didn't have to worry about the ethics of how things were made. Nothing. Do you have a dream project you'd love to you'd love to work on or realise, Cat? Hmm. I think uh, I feel like I've done a lot of bubbles, so I feel like maybe like some kind of immersive cloud machine now or something like that. Yeah, definitely. Some I definitely want to do some kind of like immersive soundscape, maybe as well as part of that like if it's a sculpture um or some kind of like immersive cloud installation where yeah people would experience what it would be like to be inside of a cloud or something (laughs) which is kind of similar to the bubble one but um yeah and I kind of want to see like what kind of microphones or I don't know other kind of kit that I would need to use to be able to, to be able to create these like 360 degree immersive like sound worlds as well as part of that so yeah that's kind of my dream idea I think (laughs) um I think for me um oh I'm not sure I think um, a massive kind of IOT orchestra would be um quite interesting to do because I think at the moment you're kind of pushing the boundaries of how many instruments how many things can be connected together so it'd be quite interesting to to push that into the hundreds and maybe thousands and see what the real, I don't know if it's got limitations, but yeah, push it past what, what the current perceived limitations of connectivity actually are. Wow. When you say IoT, you mean Internet of Things? I do, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and what, does, what, what exactly does that mean? Oh, well, it's a very loose term, to be honest. So a thing is anything that can be connected to something else, usually wirelessly, uh, via Bluetooth, via um, Wi-Fi, via the internet. And literally, there's so many things now that we have, and 
again, the word things, it's very loose, very broad, but it's, as if you can connect it to, to the internet in some shape or form, then you can use it as um, a thing, as part of an internet of things network. Wow, and it's a whole other macro, micro networks beyond the network that is already the internet. Wow, possibilities, dot, dot, dot. That's it, yes. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> Brilliant, that's amazing. Let's let's leave it on those, yeah, the possibilities, dot, dot, dot. I wonder if you could just let people know where they can find out about your work online. Um, yeah, to find out more about my work, um, probably best to go to, to my website, which is catscott.co.uk. Um, and then I'm most active on Instagram and my Instagram handle is catscottart. And to find out more about what my work, you can go to um, my website, which is keiku.org.uk. So keiku spelled K-A-K-O-U. And on um, Facebook or Twitter at uh, keiku C-I-C. And then there's also an, an additional website called socialfuse.org.uk which um, highlights all of the um, STEM outreach projects that I get involved in. Awesome. Yeah, awesome work. Well, all the best with your wonderful making adventures. Thank you. Thank you very much. Audio Club is a podcast from Yorkshire Sound Women Network presented by me, Cara C, and edited by Joe Kennedy. The theme music is by Iwan Obinyan and it was produced by Abby Bliss. This podcast is supported using public funding by the National Lottery through Arts Council England. To find out more about Yorkshire Sound Women Network, you can visit yorkshiresoundwomen.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>